Chapter 16 of With Frederick the Great A Story of the Seven Years' War by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Oldman. Chapter 16 At Minden. On the following day, Fergus started riding the new horse the Count had given him while Karl led Tartar. The journey to Breslau was performed without adventure. He found on arrival that the king had, ten days before, gone to Landshut, round which place a portion of his army was cantoned. At Landshut, he commanded the main press into Bohemia, was in a position to move rapidly towards any point where Dorn might endeavor to break through into Silesia, and was yet but a few marches from Dresden should the tide of war flow in that direction. Already several blows had been struck at the enemy. As early as the 16th of February, Prince Henry had attacked a Confederate army which, strengthened by some Austrian regiments, had intended to fortify itself in Erfurt and driven it far away, while the Prince of Brunswick had made a raid into the small Federal states and carried off 2,000 prisoners. Early in March, a force from Giago had marched into Poland and destroyed many Russian magazines, while on April 13th, the very day on which Fergus arrived in Breslau, Duke Ferdinand had fought a battle with the French army under Broglio near Bergen. The French, however, were very strongly posted, and Ferdinand was unable to capture their position, and lost 2,500 men, while the French lost but 1,900. On the same day, Prince Henry crossed the mountains, and destroyed all the Austrian magazines through the country between Eger and Prague, containing food for an army of 50,000 for five months, captured 3,000 prisoners, and burnt 200 boats collected on the Elbe, near Leitmeritz, and was back again after an absence of but nine days. Fortnight later he was off again, marching this time towards Bamberg, burning magazines, and carrying off supplies. He captured Bayreuth and Bamberg, took 2,500 prisoners, and struck so heavy a blow at the little princelings of the Confederacy that he was able to leave matters to themselves in the West should the king require his aid against Dawn or the Russians. On the 16th of April, Fergus arrived at Lansut and proceeded to the royal quarters. On sending his name to the king, he was at once ushered in. So you have returned, Major Drummond, Frederick said cordially, and in plenty of time to see the play, though indeed I should not be surprised if it is some time before the curtain draws up. I had some hopes that you might rejoin, for after your last escape I doubted whether any Austrian prison would hold you long. I am glad to see you back again. Ah, it was a heavy loss, that of our good marshal. None but myself can say how I miss him. He was not only, as a general, one of the best and most trustworthy, but as a friend he was always cheery, always hopeful, one to whom I can tell all my thoughts. Ah, if I had but taken his advice at Hotchkirch, I would not have had to mourn his loss. It was a heavy blow to you also, Major Drummond. A heavy blow indeed, Your Majesty. He was as kind to me as if he had been my father. I will try to supply his place the king said gravely. He died in my service and through my error. For my own sake, I am glad that you are here. You have something of his temperament, and I can talk freely with you, too, whatever comes into my head. 
i do not know whether i did rightly in coming to report myself direct to you sire but your kindness has always been so great to me that i thought it would be best to come straight to you instead of reporting myself elsewhere having indeed no fixed post or commander you did quite right by the way keith's brother the scottish earl marischal is here he touched the bell and said to the officer who came in will you give my compliments to earl marischal keith and beg him to come to me for a few minutes two minutes later keith entered a tall man less strongly built than his brother but much resembling him excuse my sending for you earl marischal the king said but i want to introduce to you your young cousin major drummond a very brave young officer as you may well imagine since he has already gained that rank and wears our military order of the black eagle he tells me that he has not hitherto met you but he came over here at your brother's invitation was a very great favorite of his and was deeply attached to him my brother mentioned you frequently in his letters to me keith said holding out his hand to fergus i knew but little of your mother first cousin as she is for being ten years older than my brother she was but a little child in my eyes when i first saw her were it not that i am past military work i would gladly try to fill my brother's place to you but if i cannot aid you in your profession i can at least give you a share of my affection as to his profession keith that is my business the king said he saved my life at zorndorf and has in so many ways distinguished himself that his success in his career is already assured he is by many years the youngest major in the service and if this war goes on there is no saying to what height he may rise he has just returned from an austrian prison where as i told you when you joined me he was carried after hotchkirch i don't know yet how he escaped he must dine with me this evening and afterwards he shall tell us about it mitchell dines with us also he too is a friend of this young soldier and has a high opinion of him that evening after dinner fergus related to the party which consisted only of the king keith and the british ambassador how he escaped from prison the next time the austrians catch you major drummond king said when he had finished if they want to keep you they will have to chain you by the leg as they used to do in the old times for months the prussian and austrian armies lay inactive dawn had supposed that as the king had begun the three previous campaigns by launching his forces into bohemia he would be certain to follow the same policy and he had therefore placed his army in an almost impregnable position and waited for the king to assume the offensive frederick however felt that with his diminished forces he could no longer afford to dash himself against the strong position so carefully chosen and entrenched by the enemy and must now confine himself to the defensive and leave it to the austrians to attempt to cross the passes and give battle the slowness with which they marched in comparison with the speed at which the prussian troops could be taken from one point to another gave him good ground for believing that he should find many opportunities for falling upon the enemy when in movement it was a long time before the austrian general recognized the change in frederick's strategy still longer before he could bring himself to abandon his own tactics of waiting and fortifying 
and determined to abandon his struggles and assume the offensive when july opened he had by various slow and careful marches planted himself in a very strong position at mark lisa while frederick as usual was watching him dawn was well aware that frederick of all things desired to bring on a battle but knowing that the russians one hundred thousand strong under soltikoff was steadily approaching he determined to wait where he was and to allow the brunt of the fighting for once to fall on them fergus by this time was far away the long weeks had passed as slowly to him as they had to the king and he was very glad indeed when on the second of june frederick said to him i know that you are impatient for action major drummond your blood is younger than mine and i feel it hard enough to be patient myself however i can find some employment for you duke ferdinand has now you know twelve thousand english troops with him he has written to me saying that as neither of his aides-de-camp can speak english he begs that i would send him an officer who can do so for a very few of the british are able to speak german and serious consequences might arise from the misapprehension of orders on a day of the battle therefore i have resolved to send you to him and you can start to-morrow at daybreak i will have a dispatch prepared for you to carry to the duke who of course by the way knows you and will i am sure be glad to have you with him later on i must send another of my scottish officers to take your place with him for i like having you with me however at present you are wasting your time and may as well go we are off again to-morrow morning carl fergus said in high spirits as he reached his quarter that is the best news that i have heard since the count's messenger brought me word at erfurt that you had returned major it has been the dullest six week we have had since we first marched from berlin for a while in winter one knows that nothing can be done and so is content to rest quietly spring one is always expecting something and if nothing comes of it one worries and grumbles it is a long ride we are going this time carl i don't care how long it is major so that one is moving i'm going to join the duke of brunswick's staff that is something like a ride major carl said in surprise for it is right from one side of prussia to the other yes it is over four hundred and fifty miles well major we have got good horses and they have had an easy time of it lately how long do you think that we shall take well major the horses can do forty miles a day if they have a day to rest halfway your horses can do more riding them on alternate days but it would be as much as mine could do to manage that we must take them by turns carl they will give each horse a partial rest one day out of three like that they could do it i should say major in about a fortnight they rode first to breslau and thence to magdeburg passing through many towns on the long journey but none of any great importance at magdeburg they heard that they must make for hanover where they could be able to ascertain the precise position of the duke's army which was on the northern frontier of westphalia while the french under the duke of broglio were advancing north from frankfurt on main another french army under contatus was moving against ferdinand from the west as it was probable that there would at least be no great battle until the two french armies combined 
Fergus, who had already given his horses two days' complete rest, remained for three days at Magdeburg, as it was likely that he would have to work them hard when he joined the Duke. Five days later he rode into the Duke of Brunswick's principal camp, which was near Osnabrück, where was situated his central magazine. "'I am glad to see you, Major Drummond,' the Duke said cordially, when Fergus reported himself. "'I thought perhaps the King would select you for the service, and I know how zealous and active you are. I am greatly in need of a staff officer who can speak English, for none of mine can do so.' i think that we shall have some hard fighting here soon you see that i am very much in a position of the king menaced from two locations if i move to attack contatus broglio will have hanover entirely open to him while if i move against him contatus will capture munster and osnabrück and get all my magazines and might even push on and occupy the town of hanover before i could get back so you see i have nothing to do but to wait in this neighborhood until i see their designs i have some twelve thousand of your countrymen here and i rely upon them greatly we know how they fought at fontenoy splendid fellows they are there is a scottish regiment with them whose appearance in kits and feathers is so in no slight degree astonishes both the people and my own soldiers their cavalry are very fine too they have much heavier horses than ours and should be terrible in a charge how long have you been on the road i have been eighteen days sir i could have ridden faster myself having a spare charger but my orderly could hardly travel more rapidly and indeed when i got to magdeburg and found that it was not likely that there would be any engagement for some time I allowed the horses three days' rest, so that they should be fit for service as soon as they arrived here. A tent was at once erected in the staff lines for Fergus. He found upon inquiry that the British division was at present at Munster. He was invited by the Duke to dinner that evening and was introduced to the officials of the staff, who received him courteously, but with some surprise that one so young should not only bear the rank of major but the coveted insignia of the black eagle the duke however when the introductions were over gave him a short account of the newcomer's services and after dinner begged fergus to tell him how he escaped from lintz and they had a hearty laugh over the matter in which he and his companions obtained their first disguise i have heard something of this colonel zolwin the head of staff said captain stauffen and ritzer were both ordered here on their arrival at berlin and though i have not met them i have heard from others of their escape from linz which they ascribe entirely to a major of marshal keith's staff who was a fellow prisoner of theirs for the next three weeks fergus was on horseback from morning till night the movements of the troops were incessant the two french generals maneuvered with great skill giving no opportunity for the duke of brunswick to strike a blow at either broglio guided by a treacherous peasant captured minden by surprise contatus with thirty thousand men had taken up an unassailable position his right wing on the weser and his left on impassable bogs and quagmires and with his front covered by the bastow a deep and unfordable brook 
thirty thousand of his troops were occupied in besieging munster and osnabruck and other places and succeeded in capturing the latter containing the duke's magazines of hay and cavalry forage the duke's position became very grave and the french believed that in a very short time they would be masters of all hanover broglio's force of twenty thousand men was on the east side of the wesser and ferdinand was unable to move or to strike a blow at the detached force of cantatus for had he done so broglio would have captured the city of hanover which lay perfectly open to him within a day's march fergus had been specifically employed in carrying dispatches to the british division and had made many acquaintances among the officers as the army gradually concentrated when the french forces drew closer together he often spent the evening in their tents when the day's work was done in the scotch regiment he was soon quite at home the fact that he was related to marshal keith of whom every scotchman was proud and had been one of his aides-de-camp sufficed in itself to render him at once popular the officers followed with eager interest the accounts of the various battles he had witnessed and little by little extracted from him some account of the manner in which he had won his steps so rapidly in the prussian service he found that they and the british troops in general had a profound dislike for lord sackville who commanded them but who was especially in command of their cavalry all described him as a heavy domineering fellow personally indolent and slow on ill terms with the duke of brunswick whom in a quiet and obstinate way he seemed bent on thwarting he is an ill-conditioned brute one of the officers remarked the only thing to be said for him is that he is not deficient in personal courage he has fought several duels into which he brought himself by his overbearing temper although he had frequently carried dispatches to sackville fergus had not exchanged a word with him the english general had taken the paper from his hand barely acknowledging his salute and not indeed glancing at him but turning on his feet and walking off to read the contents of the dispatch which generally appeared to displease him judging by the manner in which he spoke to his officers then he would go into his tent and one of his aides-de-camp would surely come out with a letter containing his reply fergus naturally came to regard the english commander with the same dislike that his own officers felt for him one day when handing him a dispatch he omitted the usual salute sackville noticed it at once why do you not salute sir he said raising his head and for the first time looking at the duke's aide-de-camp this is the twelfth time sir that i have brought dispatches from the duke of brunswick upon each occasion i have made the military salute by the regulations of the army i believe that the superior officer is as much bound to return a salute as the inferior officer is to render it as you have not chosen upon any one of these twelve occasions to return my salute i see no reason why i should continue to give it sackville looked at him as he shouted in english with astonishment and rage and who the devil are you i am major fergus drummond a companion of the order of the black eagle and an aide-de-camp of the king of prussia 
the deuce you are sackville said insolently i did not know that the king of prussia promoted lads to be majors chose them from his aide-de-camps and made them companions of his order then sir you know it now fergus said quietly and for explanation of my rank i beg to refer you to the duke of brunswick who will i doubt not be not unwilling to explain the matters to you i shall report your insolence to the duke at any rate sir were it not for my position here i would myself condescend to give you the lesson of which you seem to me to be in want i should doubt it sir whether i could receive any lesson at your hands but after this affair has terminated i shall be happy to afford you an opportunity of endeavouring to do so lord sackville was on the point of replying when the colonel and his staff whom fergus had met at dinner at the duke's and who spoke german fluently came up and said pardon me general can i speak to you for a moment fergus reined back his horse a length of two while the officers spoke rapidly to lord sackville i don't care a fig the latter burst out passionately the officer continued to speak the general listened sullenly then turning to fergus he said well sir we shall leave the matter as it is as soon as this battle is over i shall waive my rank and meet you i shall be ready at any time fergus said and then formally saluting he rode away i suppose you have no answer major drummond the duke said when he returned to his quarter but indeed there is none needed i have no answer sir and, and indeed did not wait for one lord sackville and i had somewhat a hot altercation and he related word for word what had passed it is a pity but i cannot blame you the duke said when fergus had finished the man has given me a great deal of trouble ever since he joined us with his force he is always slow in obeying orders sometimes he seems willfully to misunderstand them and altogether he is a thorn in my side i am glad indeed that the british infantry division are entirely under my control with them i have no difficulty whatever he was entirely in the wrong in this matter and i certainly should address a remonstrance to him on the subject of his manner and language to one of my staff but our relations are already unpleasantly strained and any open breach between us might bring about a serious disaster i certainly should not wish that you should make any allusions to the matter sir possibly i may have an opportunity of teaching him to be more polite after we are done with the french by two sudden strokes the duke in the third week of july obtained position of bremen thereby obtaining a port by which that reinforcements from england could reach him and also recaptured osnettebrook and found to his great satisfaction that the french had also established a magazine there so that the stores were even larger than when they had taken it from him the great point was to induce cantatus to move from his impregnable position he knew that both cantatus and broglio were as anxious as he was to bring about a battle did they but see an advantage opportunity and he took a bold step to tempt them on july thirtieth on the thirtieth of july he sent the hereditary prince with a force of ten thousand men to make a circuit and fall upon Gofeld, ten miles up the Weser. 
and so cut the line by which Catatus brought up food for his army from Cassel, seventy miles to the south. Such a movement would compel the French either to fight or to fall back. It was a bold and, had it not succeeded, would have been deemed a rash one, for it left him with but 36,000 men to face the greatly superior force of the French. The bait proved too tempting for the French generals. It seemed to them that the Duke had committed a fatal mistake. His left leaning on the Weser was, by the march of the force to Gofeld, left unsupported at a distance of three miles from the centre, and it seems to them that they could now hurl themselves into the gap, destroy the Duke's left, and then crush his centre and right, and cut off whatever remnant might escape from Hanover. On Tuesday evening, July 1st, the French got into motion as soon as it was dark. During the night, Cantatus crossed by 19 bridges that he had thrown across the Bastille, while at the same time Broglio crossed the Weser by the bridge of the town and took up his position facing the prussian left wing which rested on the village of tartenhausen intending to attack him early in the morning and to finish before the duke could bring the centre to his assistance feeling sure that the french would fall into the trap the duke ordered his cavalry to mount at one o'clock in the morning and moved in with his troops from the villages around which they were encamped closing in towards Minden, whereby the centre gradually came into touch with the left, the whole forming a segment of circle of which Minden was the centre. The French also formed a segment of a similar circle, nearer to Minden. Contatus was a long time getting his troops into position, for a great confusion was caused by their having crossed by so many bridges and it took hours to range them in order of battle broglio was in position facing the duke's left at five o'clock in the morning he was strong in artillery and infantry but as the ground on both flanks was unfavorable for the action of cavalry these were all posted in the center the cavalry indeed was the strongest portion of the force they numbered ten thousand and were the flowers of the french army the duke placed six regiments of british infantry in his centre they were the twelfth twentieth twenty-third twenty-fifth thirty-seventh and fifty-first some regiments of hanoverians were in line behind him the british cavalry were on the duke's right the morning was misty and it was not until eight o'clock that both sides were ready and indeed even then cantatus infantry was not finally settled in its position the battle began with an attack by some hessian regiment on the village of hanlon and by a very heavy fire of artillery on both sides the orders to the english regiments had been marched to attack the enemy on sound of drum meaning that they were to move when the drums gave the signal for the advance the english however understood the order to be you are to advance to the sound of your drums they waited for a time while the attack on holland continued it was repulsed three times before it succeeded but before this happened the english regiments lost patience and said we ought to be moving 
the drums therefore struck up and to the astonishment of the hanoverians these english battalions strode away towards the enemy however the regiments of the second line followed as the british stepped forward a tremendous crossfire of artillery opened upon them thirty guns on one side and as many on the other but in spite of this the six regiments passed on unfalteringly with their drums beating lustily behind them then there was a movement in the front and a mighty mass of french cavalry poured down upon them the english halted closed up the gaps made by the artillery held their fire until the leading squadrons of the french were within forty paces then opened the tremendous file fire before it man and horse went down at so short a distance every bullet found its billet and for the first time in history a line of infantry repulsed the attack of a vastly superior body of cavalry astonished and hampered by the fallen men and horses of their first line the french cavalry reined up and trotted sullenly back to reform and repeat the charge the british drums beat furiously as the french rode forward again only to be repulsed as before six times did the cavalry with a bravery worthy of their reputation renew the charge as the leading squadrons withered up under the storm of shot then they could do no more but rode back in a broken and confused mass through the gaps between their infantry throwing these also into partial confusion ride to lord sackville and tell him to charge with his cavalry at once the duke said to fergus and then checking himself said no i had better send somewhere else and repeated the order to another of his staff sackville only replied that he did not see his way to doing so a second and then a third officer were sent to him with a like result and at last he himself left his cavalry and rode to the duke and inquired how am i to go on the duke curbed his anger at seeing the fruits of victory lost he replied quietly my lord the opportunity is now past harassed only by the fire of the british and hanoverian guns and by that of the british infantry cantatus drew off his army by the nineteen bridges into his stronghold broglio who had done nothing save keep up a cannonade covered the retreat with his division the total amount of loss on the duke's side was two thousand eight hundred and twenty two of which more than half belonged to the british infantry the french loss was seven thousand and eighty six with their heavy guns and many flags but had sackville done his duty their army would have been annihilated pent up as it was with the river on each flank convergent to each other at midden a perfect rat trap from which no army could have escaped had it been hotly pressed by cavalry the feat performed by the british infantry astonished europe who were at first almost incredulous that six regiments in line could have repulsed over and over again and finally driven off the field ten thousand of the best cavalry of france while the battle was raging the hereditary prince has done his share of the work had fallen upon gofeld crushed the french division guarding it cutting the french from their magazines and rendering their position untenable they received the news that evening and at once commenced their retreat broglio towards frankfurt and contatus straight to the rhine 
the latter was obliged to abandon all his baggage and many of his guns and his army by the time it had reached the rhine had become a mere rabble the general was at once recalled in disgrace and broglio appointed commander-in-chief although by failing to carry out the orders he had received to fall upon the allies left at five in the morning he had largely contributed to the defeat that had befallen cantatus chapter sixteen